All right. Welcome to the show. This is Erin Nicole, creator of the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all over the world, anyone from professional custodians all the way up to presidential candidates of other countries. One day, my big dream is to interview our top leadership in the country that I was born in, either actively in the role or formerly that uh, are still alive on this earth today. I believe that they could give us all a lot of insight and wisdom to help us all empower ourselves to find happiness from within. Sometimes I speak on the show by myself if I feel spirit-led on topics that I feel a little nudge in my heart that in my faith system, my deity, I uh, identify as the creator of the universe. When uh, they put that that nudge on my heart to speak about something, I get out my phone and I plug in my earpieces, uh, headphones, and then I just start the show. Um, Sometimes I release music if it's tied into the topic as well um, that I create. Uh, with the with the goal to help you if you have diagnosed depression like myself or maybe you've never been diagnosed but maybe you're struggling and you've been feeling sad for two weeks or longer and you just can't get over it right people are like oh just forget about it don't worry about it um, sometimes we can't because of a variety of reasons situational maybe you went through some trauma maybe you experienced a lot of loss financial stress, whatever it is, um, the goal of this show is to give you some some golden nuggets, some easy takeaways. Take what you like, leave what you don't, and hopefully you leave more inspired towards the end. So I was eating my uh, very sugary breakfast, my uh, roommate actually made for us all, very delicious, um, and because uh, we had Thanksgiving yesterday and whatnot here in the States. And I'm reading in the scriptures and I'm writing in my journal and some told me to speak about sanity and insanity. And when I do these topics, I don't pre-plan it. Uh, This is just whatever comes out. And a verse came to me, 2 Timothy 2.5. I'm reading from the New International Version, NIV. Similarly... If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. I'm going to read one more verse. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. So sanity versus insanity is the topic. So if we are competing... Going back to verse 5, if anyone competes as an, as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. None of us like a cheat. None of us like a cheater. Um, we have to create rules and boundaries in order to have effective communication, in order to have effective uh, businesses, in order to have effective countries, right? Um We establish rules in the school system for children to not get injured on the playground, right? Um, Pools, you don't run on the pool deck, right? Otherwise, you slip and fall and break a hip, break a leg, whatever. Um, When you're competing, whatever your competition is, no one likes to win 
because they've cheated. If you do like to win because you've cheated, then you're not really that good at whatever it is that you choose to do, I must say. Um, Real winners, real successful leaders in any industry that compete, they win because they gave it their best and they competed against someone that is of an equal level playing field that also gave it their best, but in that moment, somebody had to win, right? The Olympics, they talk a lot about it. If you look in the history, um, there was a movie that was released, oh gosh, maybe 10 or so years ago. One of the Olympic teams was actually like, and I do apologize, um, pause the episode if you have children in the vehicle or wherever you're tuning in from, pause it so that they can leave the room and then you can listen to it first and decide if you want young ears to hear it. But there is... A real life. This is a real story. Uh, they made into a movie from the Olympics. This team was completely slaughtered. The politics in the countries that were competing against one another, um, they got so into the competition, but not from verse five of Second Timothy chapter two. Uh, they did not compete according to the rules. They went in, they snuck into these people's hotel rooms and they, they slaughtered them. Uh, who wants to compete against someone else that might just kill off your people? That's, that's what dictators do. That's what uh, terrible evil uh, does. Uh, and I'm sorry, but that's just not, that's not how most people in the world desire to operate. Good, good, um, good people with, with goodness in their hearts, uh, and also, uh, ethics and morals. Now, there are things that can be changed when it comes to competing honestly, dishonestly, right? Some people are right on that gray area, uh, for example, in soccer, right? You're not supposed to use your cleats, to like gouge anyone in their ankles, right? But how often do we see that happen when the refs aren't looking? And we all could call it if we're watching it on the TV screen or you're there watching it live. You can clearly see that they have fouled and they're not, they're doing they're breaking the rules, right? It's what can we get away with, right? But integrity says what can I do? When nobody is watching, right, if I make a decision to follow the rules, if no one's watching and I'm competing at my best, whether the ref has got their eyes on me the whole time or whether they don't, right, um, that's what a true winner does because they desire to be the best, compete at the best, and compete against someone else that follows the rules. Insanity would be to compete against someone else knowing that they are breaking rules and thinking that you might have a chance. That would be clear insanity in a, in a competitive environment. Now, in business, uh, there are some things that are 
legal and some things that are illegal, and it varies from state to state if you live in the United States um, and also varies in different countries. I actually learned a lot about business, although I didn't get a lot of profit and revenue and whatnot when I was in direct sales because it was my first, as an adult, my first kind of dabble in business. And it was run by incredible leadership. Jeff Olson ran the organization. Um, It was his idea during the uh, economy downturn uh, to start a direct sales company because he did a lot of consulting with businesses and he was invited to consult for this uh, world-changing skincare product. They were trying to develop a skincare product that was um, helping people with, I believe, skin cancer. And so they weren't identifying what the product ingredients were. They were doing a double-blind study, which means that even the researchers don't know who's got the product and who's, um, I can't think of the word, one of the people that is using like a sugar pill, whatever those people are called. Anyways, so he comes and he consults. He looks at the data. He looks at the product. He looks at the results. They used the machines that NASA uses to uh, measure microscopic cracks in the glass to make sure that because the pressure the atmospheric pressure is a lot higher when you go outside of our earth's atmosphere um so they have to make sure that there's nothing wrong with their equipment so they don't die in outer space right so they were using that same equipment and i do apologize i don't know the name of the machine Um, i could do some research later and get back to you but they were using this machine, they were doing pre and post photos for, I believe it was a 28-day trial of this product for people to see if it made any improvements in their skin cancer. Well, they didn't see improvements in the cancer, but all of the patient's family members were asking if they had had work done because they looked 10 years younger in 28 days and they wanted to buy the product. So they knew they had a gold mine because the skincare industry is like huge all over the world. Everyone wants to look younger. And and this was a simple just a one-step product. So he consulted with them and then he recommended to them that they take the product to the market. He said, I think that this would do well in a direct sales environment where people share it to their friends. They have home parties. It will grow from there. I recommend you do that. And so they decided to partner. And he agreed to give the farmers 30% back. Uh, The organization is a, a biomedical organization in Texas and they agreed that they would keep 30% and then the rest of the money would go towards operational costs and towards the brand partners we each were called that um, partnered with the company to spread the brand the products right Uh, either the opportunity or the product and so when I joined in, uh, this was in March of 2015, uh, they were, I believe, three years in, about three and a half, because August was uh, the anniversary date. 
actually randomly on my parents' anniversary. That was their anniversary date for the business. And so at this point, they had that first cream, which was the night cream. They had added a day cream. They had a firming cream for cellulite, uh, which they partnered with a second uh, bioscience company for that one. And they were about to release a first-to-the-market brain supplement that initially was developed in a lab on the property of Princeton University. Now, they couldn't use that branding because it was a separate biomedical lab, uh, father and son doctors uh, that invented the product. Um, I actually got to meet them, which was really cool. Um, this, this product, this EHT, and it's got like this whole full scientific name. If you look up EHT, what is EHT brain supplement? It'll, it'll pronounce it for you online. I don't know how to pronounce it. You didn't have to know all the science to make money with the business, which was cool. Um, the product initially was they were trying to design something that would be in the legal parameters of supplements for athletes. They were trying to develop a product for their athletes to be more competitive without breaking any of the rules uh, for college athletics because it's very very strict if you are in either college or professional athletics um you can't do any like drug doping or like um some of them will like like if you remember tour de france like the some of the athletes got in trouble for blood doping like there was all kinds of weird rules right and weird to us if you're not in that competitive space if you are you understand fully so this product they were testing initially on college-age athletes, and what they found was not only did their performance improve, but their grades were getting better. <laughs> their relationships with their friends, their colleagues, their romantic relationships were improving, and they were like, what is this? Um, can we... Can we take this to the market and help people? Does it help people with Alzheimer's? Like all kinds of things, right? If you're able to help in the mind and the brain, like that's a huge game changer. This one product could easily be um, its own business. They saw the success. They heard about the success with the skincare company. And so then they somehow connected. I don't know that part of the story. They connected with Jeff Olson, the leader and decided to chat with him about doing an exclusive partnership uh, where we would be, as brand partners, promoting this product to the market. Um, they decided they wanted to not do it as a pharmaceutical drug. They were days away from it being um, in the pharma market because they wanted, they wanted people to be able to get access to it at a more affordable cost. So that was their intention. They wanted to help, be able to help more people get the product. So uh, I started in March and uh, towards the end of March, and then we had the conference, I want to say in June, I think it was, when they released EHT to the world. <laughs> and the following year, I want to say, the National Institute of Health paid the father and son doctor inventors to fly them out and present 
their findings of white paper research on the effectiveness of EHT on Alzheimer's dementia patients. Uh, so it helps a lot of people, of course, as a supplement, you can't legally say, right, that it heals anyone with diagnoses. But I know with my own experience, I was, at the time, I was teaching full-time. I had just gotten married. I was coaching middle school athletics. Uh, when I first got the product and I started taking it, I had had a headache for five weeks because unfortunately um, some of my high school students were uh, a little disruptive and it was my first year teaching so I was learning how to be a better effective communicator and on Fridays I rewarded them with a choice day if they worked hard Monday through Thursday uh, they got to choose if they wanted to walk the perimeter of the gym if they wanted to shoot hoops um, some of them liked to throw the football back and forth to each other frisbee like they had options in the gym that was kind of self-selected and um, of course some of the gentlemen in the class liked to throw the football back and forth and then they would take a step back and throw it a little bit further and a little bit further and as they were throwing it from like across the gym I was finally like hey guys let's that's that's a little bit too far but it was too late um it nailed me right in the back of the head. So that was um, concussion one, minor concussion. And uh, the second time, it was like a week and a half later, um, another student was really frustrated at the world and decided to throw the basketball against the cement wall as hard as he could. And I happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It ricocheted at me in the side of the head. So I had a low-grade headache. Um, I was taking the max amount of ibuprofen every day just so I didn't miss work, um, but to try and help with the pain. Uh, when I took the mind supplement, within two days, my headache had disappeared. Now, I was like, that's kind of weird. It's probably just coincidental because I've had this headache for five weeks. But we actually had Dr. Amen, who is a world-renowned brain scan specialist um, who's got his own TV show. He actually came to the conference where they spoke about the product and he explained the efficacy of it and how it works and he actually tested his own brain on it uh, for 30 days, scanned his own brain pre and post and was able to see improvements even with his very healthy lifestyle, um, brain diet lifestyle with he and his wife, he was able to see improvements with it and he explained that the product is essentially like all of the positive side effects of um, like ibuprofen. It's, it's a natural anti-inflammatory for the body. And so my, my mind was actually healing itself. It has something to do with the tau, um, which is kind of like the plastic covering over your shoelace. And that towel, over time, it starts to tear away through various, you know, damages, diet, not getting good sleep, too much alcohol in the diet, whatever. And that, that plastic covering over the, and of course it's not plastic, but I'm just giving an example, um, it starts to deteriorate. And then the messages sent and received from neuron to neuron no longer able to be as effective. Well, the product itself was actually repairing and replacing the neuronal towel, um, connectors. So uh, that was my immediate healing that I got to see um, and notice um, 
within my body. And then five weeks later, or maybe, yeah, not five weeks, I do apologize, maybe like a couple months later, I started noticing that I had this sense of peace and calm. Um, Things didn't bother me as much as they used to. I used to have extreme amount of anxiety, like a level eight out of 10 every day standard. I was just used to it. And it, it calmed me down to about a level two. And that wasn't something that they were marketing, but they were asking for our honest testimonials as a company. And it was great. It was extremely great. Um, When you take medicine, it should make you better. It should help heal you. And it may or may not be a permanent thing you need to take. Whether it's a supplement or whether it is um, pharmaceutical, traditional Western medicine. What should not be the case, and this is we're talking sanity versus insanity is the topic. I'm just going to be real with you. You should not have to take a medicine that makes you worse. The side effects should not be a long list that makes you gain a bunch of weight, uh, be at heightened risk for other diseases and diagnoses, um, having your eyes twitch so bad that you can't see, uh, drooling out the sides of your mouth because it makes you so sleepy and losing function in your bodily fluids, right? But these are things that, uh, and I'm giving examples of what I, what I witnessed for some things when I worked in the psychiatric hospital. Um, we as a team, as a treatment team, uh, and as staff members working with patients, I worked in active treatment. So it was kind of like school for adults. So they lived in the ward and they would come down to treatment. We would escort them down to treatment four hours a day, Monday through Friday, two hours in the morning with 10 minute breaks and two hours in the afternoon. And then they had uh, weekend people that would come in, but we were the Monday through Friday crew. And some of the patients, their medicine was too strong for their body. They were either trying a new medicine out because an old medicine didn't work anymore or uh, their body uh, was maybe cycling, and so then they needed to get it adjusted. Now, some of the patients, just with their diagnoses and the amount, uh, the type of medication that they had as part of their treatment team, they that the drooling was a side effect. Uh, but we could tell, we got to know the patients pretty well, where we could tell if it was a lot more drooling than normal um, for some. And I'm, I'm visualizing one of the patients in particular, his sweat sweatshirt or his long sleeve t-shirt would be wet down by uh, the end of the sleeve, like sopping wet. And there wasn't anything that we could do other than just report in the, in the chart notes, letting the team members know that um, perhaps there needs to be an adjustment to the medication. So there was a lot of uh, checks and balances with that. <clears throat> Uh, sanity versus insanity. I will say uh, the biggest hurdle to get over for the patients um, when I worked there was taking the medication, but that was a part of the 
rules, the system, um, if they were diagnosed with something, if they were there for a reason, being hospitalized, they had to take medication, um, they had to go to their group therapy sessions, some, some of them um, had one-on-one therapy as well with a psychologist or a therapist, master's level or PhD, depending on which ward they were on. And some had jobs that they um, chose to do or um, were a part of their treatment to get them ready to transition back out into society. And it was a progressive model to help them prepare to get out. Now, uh, the system had already been there for many, many years when I got hired there. So they already had a system. But I started learning very early on how to make improvements. And that's just my desire anyway, uh, because I come from a family with parents that had high standards for us. And I'm grateful to have a home that I grew up in with two parents that lived together. It wasn't perfect. No families are. Uh, But a lot of these patients didn't know their families or had estranged or violent experiences with their family. And so they got to see how we as a team operated. We had great cohesion. Our leadership was awesome. They allowed me to be creative. Uh, We had a variety of ethnicities that were on the team, a variety of ages that were on the team and years of experience. And uh, it was a safe space for us to learn from each other, ask questions, make mistakes, improve, adjust, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, we had every every place was double locked doors, um, so we had to learn which keys opened which doors, and made sure to not speak it out loud because the patients would learn about it, and then we'd have to change the color coding of the keys and different things like that. But still learning to treat them with respect and you know because they're human beings, um, but also apologizing to them and saying I'm so sorry you can't go through this door if they were trying to come towards the door when you were trying to leave a certain hall area and whatnot. And uh, what I learned was so many of those patients were sane. They were just like you and me listening to this show right now. Um, they, The patients, for the most part, that I worked with down in the treatment mall, though, they were taking their medications. Um, they had stopped whatever drug or alcohol addiction, so they were clean by the time they got to our hall, um, which was 180-day stay and or up to some of them were there for 30 years. Um so they had already detoxed um, out of their system, whatever, if the, many of them had co-occurring disorders, meaning that they had an addiction to drugs or alcohol. So sanity versus insanity. Insanity uh, would be the first day or two um, in the first hall, uh, which was like our central hall, uh, because that was where... They were admitted, and then they would detox in that hall. Similar format of going to group therapies and whatnot. Uh, but those staff members were at a heightened risk because the patients were just starting to detox. And if you've ever been around someone that has decided to, like, for example, quit smoking, they could be on edge, 
maybe they have a bad attitude, they snap at you, right, because they're getting rid of the the drug is like they're having these cravings, right, and they're they're not as kind as they could be, perhaps. Um, and so I was grateful for the hall that I was in, <clears throat> where I was working for 12 months. Not a long time, but I was effective in my role. Um, we all had fun competitions with each other. We competed within the rules, uh, but our fun competition was who would have the biggest group. So we competed with one another. Um, Sayaka was my mentor there, and many of them were my mentors, but she and I just, like, got along right away. Like, she's, like, a big sister to me. And uh, so she's the one that told me, you know, we love, me and Danny love to compete against who's going to have the biggest class because it was more work for us to have a larger class because we charted notes every 30 days on the patient's but we didn't mind having more work because we wanted to have the bigger class. It was just a fun little simple um, competition for us. And uh, they got to choose. They got to be a part of their treatment team decision for their group therapies. They had recreational classes. They had some um, music classes, uh, optional like art. Um, They had the hard cognitive classes where they would... Uh, learn about like medicine they would learn about uh, co-occurring disorder and what the reasoning behind it to help them with medication adherence um, to make sure that they take their meds and have an understanding for why they need to take their meds Um, therapy classes with therapists doing different styles of therapy like timeline therapy or um a lot, a lot of it was uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral. That was kind of the foundation that um, was built to the state. But mindfulness-based cognitive therapy was um, what Sayaka and I facilitated a lot. And I learned a lot from her doing that. And um, she incorporated meditation, 20 minutes in each session. Um, exercise, fitness, movement. Uh, cook, there was a cooking class. For those that were in like the level fours and fives, which were ready to just about ready to transition in probably six months or less to back into society. Um, They had a gardening group where they learned about the soil and plants and how uh, to take care of the plants. Um, They did have some outdoor gardens. They had some smaller uh, potted plants inside. They had a little green room. Uh, They worked the best that they could with what they had available. And uh, about every two weeks, they had a hairstylist would come and give a trim, uh, trim up their hair uh, for the guys if they wanted their uh, facial hair, if they wanted uh, trim or if they wanted it shaved off, whatnot. Um, They helped them with that. And... It was, it was like a one-stop shop. Um, it was a really neat experience to uh, learn from these patients, to learn from the staff, and to add value. Because that's, that's what my dad taught us uh, growing up. Leave it better than you found it. And as far as competing and working within the rules, uh, that's what we did. 
That's what we did. I was able to create three group therapies billable to the state of Washington and I got really quick at my job and got really efficient and effective at charting notes. I type extremely fast. And so then I had all this extra time in the afternoons uh, for adding more value. And I'm not a dilly-dallier. I don't like to twiddle my thumbs. Um, if I'm going to be paid for eight hours, I'm going to be working eight hours, you know, with, with breaks, of course. But I asked um, how I could add value, and I heard from one of our staff members, Laura, who's a veteran spouse. Her husband is an officer in the military. She said that um, one of the doctors offered to allow her to have one-on-one experience um, with patients to help her get a promotion within the hospital, but she was... Uh, she didn't want the added responsibility because she had a family and she had the responsibilities of taking care of kids at home and didn't want to. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to step up and do it then. Um, so I offered to add more value um, after group therapies in the afternoons. And I went up to one of the doctors who has uh, been on the show. He was on the show in 2020. Dr. Brian Hill, incredible uh, human being, retired from the first responder space as well. And I told him, I said, I want to help take some stress off your plate, save you some time. And I also want to add more experiences to my professional resume uh, for one-on-one therapies because I don't have a license and I, I would like to have the experience under your permission and um, guidance and he was like, okay, yeah, write up a write up a letter um, explaining like kind of your therapeutic style and your preferences and send me your resume and then we'll go from there. I was like, okay, great. So I wrote it up, sent him my resume. He's like, Aaron, this is awesome. I love it. Uh, he's like, I really appreciate movement therapy. I believe in it. Walking therapy. Um, there's a lot of evidence towards uh, music therapy as well. Uh, so if you want to do like a mixed modality, like a customized kind of therapy and positive, he's like the positive psychology is such a new space. Um, it would be great if you want to add some information for that as well. So I customized um, one-on-one therapies based on the needs of the individuals that I worked with. And, and that was a really neat experience as well. And that opened up a door for me within the hospital to be interviewed for a psych associate position, which all of my colleagues had told me to apply for because they saw how hard I was working. They knew that I had a master's degree and they knew that I could do it because they saw me working at that level within a short amount of time frame and they were encouraging me to apply for this position. And I did. There were 17 people that were interviewed they did whatever they do for the interview process. I'm sure there was many more people that applied, probably over a hundred. I, I can't. They told us at one point that I can't remember the exact number. I do remember 17 though for interviews, um, and it was a team. I think there was four or five in the interview space for the first level round of interviews. They were impressed enough. They called me for a second interview. It was down to me and another person. This person just graduated with their master's degree, licensed therapist, and myself. Uh, This person did not have any actual experience, just graduated. I had uh, 
12 months experience working in active treatment um, in a hospital with uh, patients that all knew me because I came in on the holidays. I worked every single day that I could um, and I added more value than they could ignore. And the second interview was just with the head of the department for psychology and she said, why do you believe you deserve this position? And I told her, I said, everybody knows who I am. I've created the Move Happy Therapy program. Uh, I also helped create, at this point, a second therapy program, performing arts therapy. And I was in the process of the third program, uh, the transitions, life transitions program that was inspired from one of my patients. I said, uh, and I've customized one-on-one therapies for the patients. I said, I do believe that I have more life experience that I can definitely improve on, uh, but I have already demonstrated without being paid for it uh, that I'm highly capable of being in charge of an entire ward for the, for the psychology uh, responsibilities. And she said, well, Erin, I'm so glad that you said that because I feel that way too. But I wanted to hear you say it because I need to know that you believe in yourself enough for this position because we have never hired anyone without a license in therapy. But you have been selected. And I needed that win. I needed that win so bad because I was competing fairly all year long. I was going above and beyond, and that was the year that my dad died. My dad had died my third day working with patients. Suddenly. And my healing, and I do apologize for being emotional because this is real. My healing... Because I didn't have a lot of extra time outside of the job. My healing was creating programs for the patients to help get my mind. Because contribution, to help get my mind off my pain. Contribution is one of the greatest forms of healing that you can do. And I said that on the last episode. Contribution, whether it's in your job, whether it's volunteering, wherever you're at, if you can contribute in your family more, when you think of others first, and the Air Force talks about this, service first, when you think of others above yourself, uh, if you're in the faith system that I am in the uh, faith system of the creator, the universe encourages us to bring unity wherever we're at. If we are competing For a job, we can compete with ethics and morals and values. I didn't look at my competition and try to knock them out of the competition. I didn't try to steal her resume from being submitted for the job. I didn't try to blast false information about this other gal that was competing for this position without any experience and call her university and talk about how I was going to threaten to defame their branding because she's applying for this position. All of these things that I'm speaking out loud have happened to me in some format. PhD in ministry conned her way onto my team for about a year, 
tricked her way, convincing me, very manipulative. Told me on my voicemail, I still have it, that she was going to call all of my network and tell them what a fraud I am. Um, Not a fraud. Uh, Didn't give her permission to reach out to my network, but she did it anyway. Either she reached out directly or she had people reach out to my network, threaten people, coerce them. And she's working with someone that is in the space that is trying to win this contest that we have all been added to from our country. I didn't sign up for any competition. I'm not against being in the the competition, but I am doing my work into the Lord. I'm doing my work unto the Lord because the creator of the universe and my family upbringing, I was trained to give to give, give, give and to not expect anything in return. I didn't sign up to be this move happy ambassador to make tons of money. But in the beginning, I thought that I needed to have financial resources in order to make a difference. I can make a greater difference with more financial resources, but I've been able to be effective without really any money. Because when you have the favor of the creator of the universe, they move mountains for you. If you believe that you have the power within you of the Holy Spirit, there is nothing that can stop you. But you have to speak it aloud. And when people are competing and they're not following the rules, they're not being fair citizens, they are using their powers for evil, they will be taken down. Not from human power, from supernatural power. In this competition that I speak of, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this was revealed to me from this woman that had this PhD in ministry that put the hit on my life after realizing that I was not going to be of value to her. She wanted money. Um, And at that time, I was not producing money yet. She told me uh, in the political circles that she was connected to that there was this role that was being added to every country in the world. Global ambassadorship for mental health. And that I was in the running for being the global mental health ambassador of the United States of America. Wow. When she and I were on good terms, I was like, holy moly, that is incredible. Because at this point, this was in 2020, October 2020, I had only been sharing about Move Happy with the Move Happy branding and website and everything from right around May of 2018. So not even a full two years later, I'm already in the the running for competing against all the other mental health advocates, therapists, psychiatrists in the whole United States. Like, are you serious? That's crazy cool. I thought that was the neatest thing. Even even if I didn't win, and who knows when they're 
finalizing the decision, but even if I didn't win, to be nominated. Somebody nominated me. Somebody noticed the work that I was doing, the blogging that I had taught myself, the social media that I had taught myself and learned from some social media gurus online and the workshops that I signed up for and the sales conferences that I paid for and flew out to to learn better about sales and marketing and all kinds of things. Now, we weren't in profit mode yet, but to be nominated for a position within my nation, to be nominated as a, a leader and to be known by others as a leader in the space, I was, I was blown away. The creator can do anything if you lean into your area of strength And if you compete with ethics, you do things the right way. And if you're not sure, if you're doing something right or wrong, ask for guidance from others. Someone that uh, is connected to our family but isn't legally a part of the family um, had a problem with the five-finger discount. And if you know what that is, I had to learn from a roommate a few years ago. Um, It's where whatever you can grab with your fingers in a store and you walk out without paying for it. That, in my upraising, is called stealing. But in their upraising, they didn't think that that was stealing because that's what their parents showed them when they were a kid because they didn't have a lot of money. Now, my parents didn't have a lot of money, but they told me right from wrong. They told me thou shalt not steal. They showed me right from wrong. And I went every Sunday to church and was reminded of things through examples, through stories. uh, That to me is a no-brainer, but not everybody is raised in the same kinds of households. And they do what they got to do because they make decisions based on desires instead of um, virtues and values. So I learned quickly in that moment when finding that out that that's not someone that I want to associate with. We get to choose, for the most part, who we spend our time with. Now, if you are on a team at work, if you don't get along with somebody, you might not be able to not spend time with that person, but perhaps there's ways and activities that you can add value to get away from them for a few hours. You got to do what you got to do. I'm actually stepping up and volunteering to add some value in my workspace. I'm going to be meeting with leadership about it very soon. And I'm excited because I am doing it for free. I don't expect anything in return. I just want to make the space better because when you're in a safe space that allows you to be yourself you should desire to want to make it better if they are if your team is treating you with respect you should desire to want to take it to the next level because one thing that I learned from the top leadership of the direct sales company wasn't Jeff Olson it was a coach that he paid to train the top level leaders to help balance their personal lives and their business lives David Bird um, BYRD I strongly recommend you look up his content online he says we're either growing or we're declining 
and it's an everyday process with all the decisions that we get to make every single day. You're either going to be growing and improving or you're going to be declining. It's up to you to decide how you want to operate from day to day. So you could show up to work and you could just give the bare minimum. C's get degrees. But, I mean, if you don't want to be average, if you want to be above average at your workspace, above average in your families, in your relationships, then you have to put more effort. And there's two ways to do it. You can either show up and be a cheat and be a liar and tell lies about other people and try to destroy other people's reputations on your work team and get them fired. Or you can show up and not look at the competition and just do the best that you can in your space and try and maybe help your teammates so they can see if you want to jump into a leadership position that you're already helping lead people. It's up to you. It's up to you to decide. Sanity is where you have like a homeostasis in your mind, a balance. We all have stressful days, some worse than others. But sanity is making a conscious decision that if you are not doing well, to ask for help in some capacity. Insanity would be to continue doing things that are not beneficial to you, that are not beneficial to others, and trying destroy other people just because you can. It doesn't make any sense. But we live in a fallen world, as my husband reminded me so many times. This is a temporary space for us. And I don't know about you, but I desire on my death day to have a bunch of people say how I changed their lives for the better. That I helped bring their families together. That I helped maybe with their kids get them to start communicating better as a family. That my music softened people's hearts and brought them closer together or closer to their deity. What I don't desire is to destroy any of my competition because whatever you send out in the world comes back to you tenfold. Now, there is a another verse that I opened up to James in the same NIV um, version, uh, James 4, 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it 
sins. And that was all the way to verse 17. If you know in your heart what you should be doing and you choose not to do it, you're just as guilty as someone that has killed someone else or someone else that has stolen from the store. Because the Creator doesn't have different varying levels of severity for for um, iniquities or sins. It's all the same. The Creator cannot be around it. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Are you prepared if you did not wake up tomorrow? what the Creator would say about your life. If you're not prepared, then maybe you need to get down on your knees and pray to your deity and ask for forgiveness for things, ask for clarity for things, ask how can, how can you turn it around, how can we make things right. The Creator will reveal to you Because everything is always fixable. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this show, the Move Happy Movement podcast, and this specific episode on sanity versus insanity. We love you. We're praying for you. We encourage you. If you... Uh, If you received any value from this episode, if there was anything that really stood out to you, it would mean the world to us. If you would take it online and share it on your social media channel or maybe text the link to a friend. Uh, What I find really helpful, if there's a lot of information, if I'm super busy and don't have a lot of time, but I'm stressed and I need some good content, is uh, like screenshot maybe a certain part that really stood out and like or write down like the minutes part that you really liked and that you feel would be valuable to a friend or someone you care about and that way they can skip right to that part and then if they decide they want to listen to the whole episode awesome but if they just need some good news just a little bit of good news because I know this is a long episode then you could send them straight to that section and then they can decide if they want to listen to the whole thing at another time if you do want to tag us on social media, feel free. We're, I believe, on every social media outlet. Uh, we are not posting anything other than the automated AI thing that's on our Twitter uh, when we upload our podcast or through the Podbean app. Um, if the creator desires for us to get back to posting again, uh, that will be either the day or the day after the Judas in our circle uh, corrects the wrong for taking the payment for the hit and taking the payment for all of the thefts that have been going on in my business for two years. Um, If that day never happens, then that's okay. That's all right. Um, The Creator will reveal to us next steps. But I believe that that day will happen because I have these bits and pieces of revelation that the Creator shares with me just enough not to overwhelm me. So I've already seen this day. just don't know when it is. We do have the Listening Room contest going on. Uh, It's been going on since we launched the show. 
Uh, this is a fun little thing for us to say thank you to you that have been supporting the show, that have been sharing it with their friends and family, uh, tagging us on social media, letting us know, writing reviews, letting us know that you're actually taking the information and you're applying it in your life to spread more love and light around the world. Uh, can't get to the mission by myself and with my husband. We can't. We just. We can't do it by ourselves. There's billions of people in the world and we want to help impact everybody help everyone find happiness from within and be reminded of it so we need your help for that once we get to 10,000 downloads if the creator gives us permission we're going to invite you to an exclusive private concert where we'll share original music and maybe invite a friend or two of ours uh, that is an artist or artists to share their music with you as well as a way to to honor you for the work that you're doing to help us spread this mission and the brand around the world now you can check out the downloads 24 7 just go to themovehappy.podbean.com that's t-h-e-m-o-v-e-h-a-p-p-y dot p-o-d b-e-a-n.com see where we're at and get to sharing if three people shared it with three we would spread it a lot faster, but uh, we're not worried about the download numbers because uh, for s- some reason, I still don't know how, we're in the top 10% in the world across all categories for podcast shows. There's 2.4 million shows in the world and somehow our show get, got in the top 10%. Creators looking out for us. So continue doing good, giving good, giving your best every day, no matter what you choose to spend your time doing do it with excellence and i promise you it'll come back to you all right love you guys so much don't forget to tell someone you love them today and we'll see you next time